Welcome to the Joe Vin Sports Show, where we're talking all sports. Today, me and Vinny are going to be talking about MLB headlines, including Severino's Tommy John injury, Mad Bump, Secret Life. We got NFL headlines with the Combine coming up. Um, the competition committee in football saying that the PI rule sucked. We'll talk about that a little bit. Tyson Fury and Wilder fight. We're going to go into the MyBookie betting analysis. Today, we're going to get into MLB home run futures. And then we'll finish off with the AL East preview. Um, so, Vinny, on MLB headlines, uh, the first thing I think you wanted to talk about was the Astros' first appearance in spring training. Uh, what did you think? How did you think that went? Yeah, man. Um, well, just like we talked about, right? Like, uh, our team's going to come out flying, you know, hot out of the gates and start throwing at guys. And sure enough, uh, first at bat, L2 big, you know, he gets brushed back and. You know, they're claiming that it was kind of an accident. They hit him in the foot. You know, I saw Dusty played it off quite a bit. Um, but it, this is going to be an ongoing thing. Like, this is not going away. Um, I, I'm i now, like, full team throw at Astros. Like, this is <laughs> like, um, yeah, I think we, I, I want to tally, like, the the hit batsman and, like, you know, talk about it. But um, it just shows. I mean, guys aren't. To say the proper way, I guess, would be to say they are not going to not throw inside. Like, they are going to throw inside. They're going to throw chin music. If one Astro creeps up on the plate, it's going down. Um, so we saw it with the very first step back for Altuve, and it's going to keep happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this stays in spring training or it carries over in the regular season or for, like, big games, anything like that, or if the Astro players are chirping or – keep telling people to back off, you know, it's not helping their case at all. I mean, <laughs> how about the, uh, the Astros stealing signs again <laughs> from the fans? <laughs> I mean, like, you might as well they're, they're going to get right? it even worse. You may as well do it. I mean, Manfred has shown he's just going to like, kind of let it fly. Like, what are you going to do? Come down on him now? Like they just had like the biggest cheating scandal in the last, like, you know, 20 years, and he was like, eh, you know, like, we'll, we'll get past this. It's not a big deal. Uh, you know, so it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I wonder if this is just a fad, you know, it's like, you know, our players just need to get this out of their system, you know, <laughs> spring training, but, you know, it's definitely not going to be the case. Like, you look at everybody that's in spring training in Florida, right? Like, those guys don't have a chance to get their licks in yet. So, um, this is definitely not the last of it. It's only the beginning. It's going to be a fun ride, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that happened this weekend, so we got our buddy Chris Mazza on the Red Sox. Um, he got his first appearance up at the Mets last year, and uh, we grew up with this guy. He's one of our best friends, and he's been in the minors for, what, 10 years now? And uh, it looks like he's getting his real, real first shot at a, a starting rotation. That fifth spot is wide open for the Red Sox, and there's a few middle relief spots. He had a great outing the other day. He got himself into a pinch because uh, he had backup infielders not doing their jobs and uh, little weak ground balls were getting through. And a uh, guy missing his cutoff man, letting guys advance. I mean, he was not getting any help, and he was able to get out of some jams. So it's going to be exciting to follow him and definitely uh, have conversations with him and uh, be able to re relay that onto the podcast and hopefully have him on a phone call or two here coming up soon. Yeah, no doubt. I was going to joke around and just scream, he's a bum. 
Um, but <laughs> no, I mean, uh, we pl- we we played little league with Chris. We grew up with Chris. He's the man. Um, you know, best friends with his family and everything. I was just texting with him on Friday night, and he was talking about a start and how fired up he was. So, um, yeah, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, he's you have to be in the right situation at the right time, you know, to get your opportunity. And I think that's exactly where he's at right now. You know, he got his break with the Mets last year. Um, you know, the Red Sox, we'll, we'll talk about them today, obviously, with the AL East preview, but they are a, it, they're a really interesting team because they are a team that is shedding payroll. They've opened up a lot of spots. They let guys like Parcello go and, you know, opened up some spots on the bullpen, especially. And, you know, but they still have some horses. Like, I think they're still going to be really competitive. So it's really cool, obviously, knowing somebody for not only just a roster spot, but possibly a bullpen spot, you know, in the, the starting five. So in that rotation, it's going to be pretty cool to kind of track his his progress. And um, like we said, you know, we'll definitely have Chris on the pod here coming up. Maybe he can give us a kind of a spring training breakdown on what it's like and you know, um, what it's like, especially for kind of a, a guy who's trying to make it, you know, it's not, he's not Chris Hale, obviously. Um, a little bit different perspective than what you see possibly, you know, in like ESPN and some of these articles all the time. Yeah, exactly. It'd be nice to uh, be able to relay his message and get him talking on the pod a little bit. Um, some bigger news that people are going to know about is um, Severino for the Yankees uh, getting Tommy John surgery. I mean, this one seems a little weird to me. Uh, he's been having forearm soreness since, since the uh, playoffs last year, and it's almost like they weren't even monitoring him. Uh, they're like, oh, we've done our MRIs and all that stuff, but they finally did the contrast, which, you know, when it comes to finding these injuries, you should be doing that right away. And you got to look at the Yankees organization right now going, what the hell were you guys doing? How did you not catch this four months ago when obviously it was already a problem? And now you're going to miss him for a whole another season. Yeah, man, some heads are for sure gonna roll in the Bronx uh, over this one. Um, from what I, you know, I don't, I didn't really dig in too much on this. I mean, it sounds like you said obviously they shut him down last year. He had arm soreness. Then he kind of got cleared, saying he doesn't need the surgery. And then I guess when he started just ramping up his arm and throwing here, um, heading into spring training, it it just flared up again. And they they let it. They today came down that you know they're recommending Tommy John. Um, that's a blow, man. I mean, Severino, when he's right, is legit. Um, we'll get into the Yankees. Like, I don't think it's going to be a backbreaker for this team that's just completely stacked, but it hurts. I mean, you don't lose a guy like that who's a, you know, frontline top three, top four rotation or uh, rotation guy and, you know, miss not miss him. You know, he's definitely yeah, when he's a healthy, guy that provided he's a lot of depth. A and, you know, he's a really, really good pitcher. Yeah, I think he's a yeah, Cy Young he's candidate a when he's pitcher. healthy. So, you know, yeah, no doubt, man. So it's definitely uh, it's a bummer for the for the pinstripes. You know, I, you're not going to hear me shedding tears for these guys, but um, it's, a, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, like when I read the article about this, I was just thinking about how the uh, the Yankees um, like conditioning staff and like their, their uh, medical staff like, I, I don't know. Like, he's one of your top pitchers, and he's had this torn UCL literally since last playoffs, and you guys couldn't catch it. I don't know. This just seems like one of the most common injuries to find. You think they get used to being able to check on this, and forearm soreness usually leads to Tommy John surgery, and it's like, why now? Um, so I think with the Yankees, I mean, there's got to be some questions going on in there. What the hell, and who is in charge of this? 
So I think some heads might roll the Yankees building about this one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit more in, during the ALEs preview. You know, the news came down yeah. kind of right as we were about to hit on the, on the division. So we'll kind of save, yeah. you know, at least what my take is going to be on that. So. Yeah. Um, and then we got Mad Bum. Obviously, his news being the rodeo clown. I mean, us being Giants fans, um, this literally came no supply, surprise to me at all. Um, guy loves riding his horses, doing rodeos. He is totally from the South, and he is not afraid to show it. So him being a rodeo clown on the side, I don't know. It's really funny, but uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Dude, as a Giants fan, I can like I was bombed the day they let him, you know, they didn't re-sign him, you know, and they let him walk and some bozo on Twitter, like, attacked us for it, you know, and it's like, they chose not to re-sign him and bring him back. You know, he would have gladly been a giant and they would have paid him, you know, market value. Uh, dude, I mean, Mad Bum's a legend for, for us as Giants fans, you know, he's a complete um, <laughs> ultimate warrior, you know, from day one, he's the guy who will throw, you know, a complete game, come back the next day, if you need an extra arm, he'll hit. You know, he drops bombs. I mean, he's just like a the definition of like a blue collar dude. Uh, unfortunately, he's not a giant anymore, and so his name going forward will be Mason Saunders for me. Um, <laughs> I like because it. that's just phenomenal. It's just like dude, too to be true. He's like so like team roping on like the pro rodeo circuit for money. It's like this guy's worth two hundred million dollars <laughs> and. You know, he's like out there competing for like tens of thousands. It's just absolutely awesome. Um, but yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, there's the, he's one of a kind. And uh, hopefully there's more players that come to the league that are like him in the future. That's for sure. Um, and we'll get more on to baseball later. But let's move on to some NFL he headlines. Just, like, um, we got the... No, go for it. You're good. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move on to the NFL headlines. We got the uh, NFL Combine starting up. All the measurements and everything came in. Um, obviously, all the stuff that went all viral was Joe Burrow's hands and how ridiculous this measurement is. And honestly, it just proves to me more of how ridiculous the NFL Combine is. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, it, it's... It sucks because, like, this dude's obviously, you know, there's some question marks, but it's not about his hands, right? Like, I have question marks about, like, in the sense of the dude had an all-star cast around him, and a top-flight receivers, running back, just team top to bottom. Um, You know, he was kind of a one-hit wonder. You know, you're always a little bit nervous about that. Like, you know, but come on, hand size, like, the dude can fling the rock and, you know, through, what, like, 60 touchdowns or something absurd like that. Like, he's going to be fine. The one thing I will say, I don't think, you know, hand size is, like, one of those indicators of, like, fumbling or he's going to be a bad quarterback or something like that. The one thing I will say, though, is, like, he's going to be going to Cincinnati in Ohio. That's a cold, cold city. That's a cold division you know, like, does it affect him in that way? Um, but he's an Ohio kid, man. Like, he grew up there. He knows how to play in the cold. Like, this is a non-story. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. Like, this is what they have to fish out of the combine, to, you know, for any headlines. Um, I think the biggest news of the combine so far is uh, Tua. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, I mean, they said so, he's going to be ready to go. It... Yeah, it sounds like he's going to be ready to rock and roll. And, um, you know, it, it, what are they saying? By, like, um, late March or something like that, he should be ready for kind of team workouts and able to go out on the field and actually do drills and, and throwing. Um, two is a lock top 10 pick. No doubt about it. I think he should be a top five lock pick, but we'll see what happens with some of these teams moving in and out. Um, dude, I mean, similar to Burrow, you know, with Tua, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. They don't win that natty without him a couple of years back. Um, I'm really curious to see what he can do without you know, three first round draft picks as receivers and, you know, countless pro players like around him in college, you know, at Bama. Um, I'd love to see the Chargers or Panthers go get them. You know, we'll do a little bit more of a draft preview coming up, but dude, the Chargers team is actually pretty stacked and the Panthers with McCaffrey and they've got DJ Moore. They've got some dudes around them. I would love to see those two teams make a move for Tua. Yeah, I think if the if the team is going to move up and to get him, it's going to be the Miami Dolphins. Um, they're at five. Um, I think they have an arsenal to move up to like two or three if they want to. So, I think Miami's definitely going to be the team that moves up to get him. I don't think the team's going to be able to jump past them. Um, but hey, the draft gets wacky. You never know. Yeah, and and we'll we'll do a lot more of like a full draft breakdown and like some trades that we think could happen and best landing spots for some of these guys and you know I don't know if we'll go full mock draft because it's you know what are we gonna be just two dudes giving like one of ten out of mock drafts every week you know for stuff like I don't think we have to be those guys but um, you know we'll dive into that stuff a little bit more for sure. Yep. Um, I just think with the combine, I mean, with the amount of game tape that's out there on every single player, uh, I think we should just get rid of this thing by now. Most coaches and scouts don't even follow anything at the combine. It's just like a big old uh, lunch party for them. So they all get to hang out and drink together at night and everything. Um, so there's enough game tape out there, I think, to get rid of the combine. Um, obviously, it's going to be around, but like, I, I don't really plan on watching it. I mean, there's no real point. Yeah, well, and the reason why I'm probably not going to watch it, you know, um, is for two reasons. And it's the two most important reasons why the combine exists behind the scenes that we don't and we don't see. And that's one, um, you know, the interviews and, and them talking to teams. That's the number one thing, right? Like these teams are about to go invest millions and millions of dollars. A lot of these teams have never spoken to these kids before. Um, I think you get, you know, X amount of like interviews per se um, to like sit down and kind of a, a speed, you know, you want to sit down for 15 minutes with, with some of these kids and kind of just get a sense of like who they are and how do they communicate, you know, what, what's driving them and how smart they are football wise and, you know, those kinds of things. So that's the most important reason why they'll never get rid of the combine, you know, a chance for this, these teams to kind of sit down with, two, 300 players and see them up close in one field. It's super valuable. You know, I'm with you. Like the, the combine is to reaffirm what you see on tape, right? It's not to like pull an Al Davis and see someone run a 40 and be like, that's my guy. (laughs) That's not (laughs) what it is. Uh, Or at least it shouldn't be. Um, 
you know, workout warriors shorts doesn't mean they're going to be good on Sundays, obviously. So um, the second thing, you know, I think the combine is useful for is, you know, how do these guys show up, right? Like, do they show up kind of fat and out of shape? Do they show up sloppy? Have they been working out, you know, and training hard for this? You know, this is like one of their major job interviews for their career. Um, you know, if you see a guy that is maybe not in shape or doesn't perform very well, it's like, is this person even working hard to kind of reaffirm his status? So, you know, that's a little bit less, obviously, of a concern, but we've seen it before, you know, where guys are highly touted prospects, they show up kind of sloppy and they fall, you know, like they, they do take this stuff seriously. Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, some of the players come in so out of shape, like they haven't been working out in a while or anything. So I guess, yeah, that's a good way to see you guys. Um, I hear like the interviews, though, are just like speed dating. They get a little five minute interviews with guys right now. And it's like, you know, take away some of the on field stuff. And it's like get more of those interviews, sit down with them on the whiteboard and some film, see their football knowledge. I think that's a great idea. Um, but, yeah, we'll get more of the combine as it's going on and maybe some top performances or something like that. Um, another big thing that came out with the NFL was the uh, the rules committee came out saying they admitted that the new pass interference rules were not good. And uh, I think all the fans agree with that. I definitely agree with that. The reviews, none of it made sense. So hopefully they just do away with it. They did a little trial run for a year, and let's just get rid of the stupid challenge pass interference rule. Yeah. My only concern with it is, like, how it is one of those few things in football, I think that are just like very subjective, you know, like how, how can you come up with a rule that's consistent to call it, you know, when you see it and it's obvious to the fans at home, it's obvious to the referees. Um, and I don't know if there's a way to do it, man. Like the only way you could do it is to have like a, a very, like concrete if you make contact with someone or grab the jersey past five yards that's a penalty but you can't do that because that happens on every single play you turn it into flag football you know it'd be like saying you know anytime a hand goes outside the shoulder pads or outside you know um the chest region you know of like uh, an offensive or defensive lineman you're going to call holding it's like well then the flag's coming out every single play <laughs> you know so yeah i exactly. don't know how you do it I think you just have to find a way to get these referees all on the same page and just watching crazy amounts of film and practicing, you know, calling it, making sure the teams are very clear on like what's a penalty and what's not. Um, but it's just got to be consistent, man. Like I, I just can't take the, you know, back-to-back games, especially if you're watching like red zone or something. And it's like, that's a penalty, but that's not like, how does that make any sense? You know, that's the running joke on Twitter, right? Like, I don't even know what a catch is anymore, you know, and it's just like, it's starting to get pretty nuts um, that we have referees that train together that, that can't see the game the same way. Like it's pretty nuts. Yeah. They're like not even full-time employees in the off season. They're not practicing. Um, You know, I mean, they just come to the preseason and get their practice and then move right in. I mean, it's tough on them. I feel for the referees too. I mean, that's gotta be one of the hardest jobs And the NFL is lightning fast and um the reality is it should be judgment calls um it's going so fast you know and it's like we can't you know stop all the game stoppage move the game along let's play football there's going to be incidental contact all the time it's going to happen don't you don't need to throw a flag every single time um especially when obviously like fantasy football is what really drives i think most of the sport these days and the revenue and a lot of the people watching it these days is through fantasy football 
and if you're trying to catch people on pass interference all the time, it's like it's not helping that factor. Um, I mean, I don't even know how many times last year I had a guy that scored a touchdown or um, and all of a sudden they called an offensive pass interference because someone threw a challenge flag out and the guy barely, he just extended his arm. It wasn't even real push off. It just in slow motion, it looked that way. So I think from a fan's perspective, the best thing is to do away with the, the replays, judgment call, just like holding, just like clipping, just like all the other rules in football. It just like, it, it just feels like it's, there's so many like simple things that the team, that the, the NFL could do to like make this more seamless. Like, as I'm tens of billions of dollars in revenue that this or you know, that the league brings in, like why couldn't you just add an extra two referees to the staff? Yeah. You know, <laughs> to a game that is like responsible for doing nothing, but watching every eligible receiver who's running, you know, like there, it's not that complicated. Add some extra eyes. Like you said, the game is incredibly fast. It's impossible to see everything in every split second, but two you know extra sets of eyes and watching these guys running down the field and you know that way it makes it simpler on each individual ref they're only responsible for watching one or two things versus five or six like doesn't really seem like it's that big of a deal to do apparently to goodell and the nfl that that's i really not brought up i i have no idea i'd love to be a fly on the wall in those meetings yeah, shit. I mean, look at baseball. They put an umpire at every single base. And then in the playoffs, they add two in the outfield, you know? And it's like, yeah, they're exactly. going to eliminate all air. They're going to put more guys out there. And there you go. They'll take care of. Um, all right. So that's it for football news. Um, so me and you got together on Saturday night with some friends and watched the uh, Tyson Fury and um, Dante Wilder fight. Um, very entertaining fight. Tyson Fury is <laughs> really entertaining. Um, obviously Tyson Fury kicked his ass if you watched it he totally overpowered him but Deontay Wilder coming out saying oh it was that costume I was wearing before the fight is what caused me to, <laughs> to lose it's like dude shut the fuck up it's like you have a rematch clause and it's like don't go out just making excuses about your stupid fucking costume that you decided to wear it's one of the dumbest things in sports like it, it really reminds me of like you know when you were a kid you know and you would just like pull out like like, how can I pull every excuse in the book out as to, like, why I did something or something <laughs> happen? It's like, okay, man, like, you've given it a shot. We get it. Like, you know, this suit wasn't a good idea, but <laughs> it was suit or no suit. Like, you just got – he got completely worked from the beginning um, of that all the way through. I uh, like, I was blown away that he lasted, what, six, seven rounds? Like, I, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a mauling. Um, Fury just – so – you know, the rematch will be awesome. It's boxing, so you knew that was coming some way, somehow. I bet on Fury for that simple reason. Like, you know, boxing wants to maximize its only heavyweight, you know, big names and get that third rematch. You know, we we, we saw that coming from a mile away, but I thought it was pretty shocking. Obviously, they didn't project Wilder to get tuned up the way he did, so... Um, yeah, you know, in Tyson Fury compared from fight, fight one to fight two, I think it was obvious in how much better shape he was in fight two. Like Tyson Fury looked actually kind of cut in fight two and fight one. He was looking pretty dumpy. So he obviously came in really prepared. Um, and he worked him. Tyson Fury had no problem, but no matter what, it was fun. I love getting pay-per-view boxing. Um, I'm tired of all the middleweight stuff. Uh, heavyweight seems like they're kind of making a comeback. They got some big gate, big names in there. Hopefully it just keeps building. Um, so, so we can keep uh, getting pay-per-view boxing. That'd be fun. 
Did you call um, him Dumpy? So, yes, Dumpy. In that first <laughs> fight, he looked Dumpy. Like, almost like, that guy's not an athlete. I mean, it's like, we know he's a great boxer, but you're like, oh my god, that guy looks fat. He looks way too, like, overweight. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard someone call a guy 6'8 Dumpy. Like, that's impressive. He... <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's that's the that's the that's the word that came to me when I watched the first fight. I was like, he looks dumpy. <laughs> maybe it's because he was I standing next that. to Deontay Wilder, which has like two percent body fat. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's why. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Ben. Let's get into um, a little my bookie here. So every week, guys, we're gonna go into a my bookie betting analysis. We're gonna pick one futures bet or our favorite bet of the week, something like that, and we're gonna talk about it. So today we're going to talk about um, the 2020 most regular season home runs, so our MLB futures. So the odds are out. Um, obviously at the top we have Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso at the favorites, plus 825 and plus 1,000. Um, and then most of the guys are between 1,400 and uh, plus 3,000. Um, is there someone on here that totally just pops out to you? You see some odds next to them that really uh, calls out to you? Um, well, I'm, I'm using DK Sportsbook and the odds that I saw this morning. Um, you know, not sure if they've changed drastically, but Judge, mm-hmm. you're getting plus 1800 right now uh, to be the home run leader. Um, that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh. Um, I mean, dude, that lineup is insane. Obviously, he's going to have Giancarlo and Torres behind him. Like, talk about protection you know like I, I would love to you know throw trout in there I, I projected him earlier in the I think episode one to you know uh win the the, the triple crown and, and as far as you know and, and lead the league in home runs you know because he's got Rendon behind him now but I mean dude getting those kind of odds for judge is pretty insane the other guy I think that does have a bounce back year is Bryce Harper um okay I would not I would not sleep on Harper you know he obviously had a crazy off season last year, you know, with the contract and free agency, you know, he went to Philadelphia, which everyone thought was kind of a money grab thing. Um, crazy amount of pressure. The whole team underperformed, you know, they just weren't, um, he's had a year to kind of get used to just everything. I think he also had a kid last year, you know, which for someone that has a, a little girl, like it's, it's a tough thing, you know, with those things mixing in, you forget that these people are human too. Um, I think he's had a year to kind of just settle in a little bit and, you know, kind of figure out Philadelphia a little. And, you know, I think he's going to have a major bounce back. I could see him pushing, you know, 40 plus home runs um, and getting into that mix for sure. So I just like the odds on Harper. I think people are kind of sleeping on him a little bit and forget that this dude is just, you know, whether you like him or hate him, he's insanely talented. Yeah, and you're always going to, you know, get the overrated talk with him ever since the contract. You know, it's just the way it is. So he's always going to get the overrated. He's probably never going to reach expectations to what his contract is. Um, but I agree with you on Bryce Harper. I think his odds are pretty low. What are his odds there on a DK? Right now, um, for home run leader odds, as of the 26, he was at plus 2,200. Um, yeah, which so he's right pretty be- good. He's right behind last Judge. Year, and last year, he was, like, still top five in, like, um, hard hit rate, you know? So, it's, like, it's not like he fell off in that way or anything. Like, it could have been him just getting unlucky quite a bit. I mean, he, I know he had a few strikeouts. But the whole Phillies team had a down year last year. So, it's not like it was just him. So, I like him a lot. Um, another person I think could have a good bounce back year is Chris Davis for the, uh, the A's. Uh, oh, I think there's a lot of power in that lineup. And I thought that you were guy just goes Chris Davis. 
thought you were going to say Chris Davis <laughs> of the Orioles. I was like, dude, what? Boldest take about? of baseball history. <laughs> His odds have to be history. like a hundred thousand to one. No, no um, Vegas. You know what? I might take a flyer on Chris Davis of the Orioles at that. Um, <laughs> No, sorry. Oh my God, just to be the biggest hits of all time. <laughs> um, the other person I was really looking at, and someone I'm really interested in this year, and um, all of my uh, DFS is Matt Olson. Matt Olson is going to his third full year. Um, last year he hit I think 36 home runs, and he only played in 125 games. Um, his hard hit rate is really high the last two years. So the guy does some mash. Um, so I think Matt Olson's definitely a person that can have one of those years this year where you go, holy crap, where's this guy been? Because he's been hiding on the West Coast. Um, but that guy has some serious power. His hard hit rate is ridiculous. Um, he's got a good bat hip. I mean, the guy, um, and he's steadily improving every single year. And he hit 10 more home runs last year than he did the year before, and he played like 40 less games. You know, so Matt Olson has some serious pop. If he can stay healthy, and that's another thing with these home run leaders, you got to look at guys that are probably who you hope they're going to stay healthy. I mean, you can't predict that, but Aaron Judge doesn't have the best history with playing an entire season. So that's a hard guy to put your money on to get the home run leader if he misses 30 or 40 games on the year. Dude, that was my thing. I mean, Giancarlo's like, I think on DK Sportsbook right now, the favorite, you know, it's like, I'm not putting my money anywhere near that guy to stay healthy, you know, until I see it. I mean, again, guy's incredibly talented, you know, he could fall out of bed and hit 30 home runs, but you know, is he, is he healthy? Is he going to stay healthy? I don't know. Um, the other dude, you know, that, that kind of jumps out, he's right behind Harper at plus 2,500. I love is JD Martinez. You know, we'll get into the Red Sox here in a second, but I mean, the dude slugs and he slugs every season, no matter where he is, no matter the situation, the Red Sox can be a lot better than people think, in my opinion, um, just because they got rid of Mookie and that might hurt his RBIs and things like that. But that's not I mean, Mookie hits in front of him. So it's not like it's going to really affect mm-hmm. too much um, uh, as far as the pitches he sees. And, you know, you forget Boston, you know, they do have, they have the green monster, but short porch, you know, and left. So, um I, I think JD is a little bit of a sleeper. Yeah, and he I think was number one last year and actually complete hard hit rate. Um, he just hits a lot more line drives than fly balls, so he's a little um, a little scary when it comes to the home runs because he's a line drive hitter. He hits a lot of like you know line drives in the gaps and stuff. He's gonna hit 310, you know, and hit over 100 RBIs. But I don't know. He's more I think like a 35, 40 home run guy. Maybe not your 50 home run guy. That's gonna you know get you the. Um, the home run total on the year, but JD Martinez, definitely a very high floor type player, especially I got him at plus 3000 here on my bookie. Um, so I think he'd be a great pick too. Cool. Those are all the guys yeah, I like. So, um, that's all I yeah, got. Yeah. Matt Olson's my guy. <laughs> all right. So let's get into our, um, our AL East preview. So we'll go start from the bottom here. Um, I don't even want to. I don't want to talk about this team, dude. They're so bad. <laughs> okay. We got the every, Baltimore Orioles. Every <laughs> podcast I've said a team is going to be trying to set <laughs> for the worst, and I told you last week like I should stop proclaiming this because every podcast like somebody else like rears its ugly head. It started with the Mariners, um, and then we went to the Tigers. 
And then we come to the knight in shining armor with Baltimore. Um, <laughs> the one thing I'll Chris say Davis, about man. Baltimore, dude, <laughs> you know what? We should get like the Chris Davis bandwagon going because oh, if yeah, he like has like, a somewhat <laughs> decent year, um, like maybe he'll be on the pod. Like we're, I mean, there's that bandwagon can't be very big, right? Like you know he, uh, you know he went deep today in spring training. One at bat, one ball. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm I'm He's buying back, a Chris dude. Davis jersey, and I'm gonna be like the biggest fanboy ever uh, for Chris Davis. Like, I think we should have a Chris Davis segment each week. Yeah. Um, but for real, <laughs> like the dude, the dude's projected to hit 191 this year. And the fact that he's your starting first baseman kind of tells you all you need to know. The only, I mean, Baltimore, they are what they are, dude. They're in a total rebuild. You know, like I don't really know what the organization's doing. From everything I can tell and everything that I've read is they are just going to completely flood this lineup outside of Chris Davis um, with prospects and young guys and see what the cream does. You know, does it rise to the top? Can they find two, three guys this year to add, um, you know, to this team that are going to be kind of surprises? And that's what they're going to try to do. Um, Their pitching staff is terrible. Um, You know, they do have Mancini, who's really, really good um alberto had a really good year but outside of that man they're they're gonna be really bad like and especially in this division you know i mean like are they gonna beat the yankees at all this year um yeah seriously but but at least we know what they are you know um yeah they're projected 63 <laughs> wins i mean if they that, get 63 wins i mean they, they should probably call it a win for the season um yeah they're young and you can say they're in a rebuild but they've really been in a rebuild since uh cal ripken retired um, so how long is this rebuild going to last? <laughs> had a few years in there, but yes, I hear you. Sure. Um, and that's Baltimore Orioles. So, talk. Uh, <laughs> and we're done with that shit. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the next team projected is the blue Jays. I think they have 77 projected wins. Um, they're a very exciting team. At least, uh, they get their young guys are ready to go. Um, with Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero. Uh, they picked up Travis Shaw. Um, they're a solid team. They picked up Ryu from the Dodgers to pitch this year. The problem is they're in the AL East. They're going to have to face the Yankees a ton, the Red Sox a ton. I mean, the American League in general, the Rays. Um, this is a very young squad facing very veteran, powerful teams. So record-wise, I don't think they're going to be that great. Um, but fun to watch and exciting and highlights, Absolutely. Yeah, they they're gonna be exciting. I mean, like you said, Bo Bichette, um, BGO, Guerrero, um, you know, they've got a cool young core, and they're gonna be exciting. They're gonna be like you said, um, very hit or miss. They're gonna have, uh, I think, you know, some really good spurts of the season. They're gonna have some really bad spurts. It's gonna be on the job training for this team. Um, the big concern is they really don't have a lot of like veteran guys coming in to like help these young guys, you know, through the season or at least nobody of like real value. You know, like we talked about last pod with the White Sox, they did a nice job of adding some veteran guys to go with, you know, some of those young dudes. I think that's going to be like a really good blend. This team just, just doesn't quite have that. They added Ryu, like you said, Chase Anderson. I do like Tanner Rourke, you know, guy sucks. Um, but you know they'll they'll be all right. Like they'll they'll be fairly competitive. Um, I have them you know right in that like seventy to eighty win range. You know, like they'll yeah. be fine. 
Yeah, and they're going to be fun to watch. And uh, for like stuff on like DraftKings or DFS stuff, um, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of matchups kind of stacking this team. And, and a lot of it too is because they're you know fun to watch. Um, Big time. So that's enough about talking about teams in Canada. So then we're going to move on to the next projected team to the Red Sox. Um, the Red Sox are projected 85 wins. Um, most teams would be very happy with this. Uh, the way the Red Sox have performed over the last... I don't know, since 2004. I mean, it's been one of the more solid organizations in baseball. I don't see them dropping off to 85 wins. Um, I do see them competing in the AL East this year. Like you said, I think they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. They lose Mookie Betts, and obviously he's a great player. But, I mean, they got Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benatendi, Michael Chavez has shown some stuff. I mean, Jackie Bradley can play some ball. The pitching staff, you got Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, Ivaldi. I mean, they got a lot of studs on this team, man. Yeah, dude. And they added, you know, Kevin Pillar, who, again, played for the Giants last year. You know, he's not an all-star. He's not, like, going to do anything that's, like, magical. But he's a dominant fielder. Um, So he's going to be a stud out there with Jackie Bradley in the outfield, um, you know, defensively. Um, We don't know what's going to happen with Verdugo, who they got back in the Mookie trade. you know, he's legit play. too, man. He, yeah, he's really oh, good. You don't you know, play. <laughs> we no, we just don't know how much we're gonna see of him. You know how yeah. healthy is he? So, I'm with you, dude. I think this team has like five really, really solid players at the top end of their lineup, and then they've got some good pieces with Bradley and Pilar, Verdugo, Christian Vasquez this is a fine hitter. Um, you know, for the catcher position, Moreland can hit. You know, versus lefties, like. This team will be like I think they're going to be better than 85 wins. Like in my opinion, it all comes down. I mean, like every team, but you know, is Sale right? You know, if, if Chris Sale's right, he's a top five pitcher in baseball, no doubt about it. Yeah. Like I'll go to bat for that all day long. Um, you know, my the biggest concern with this team is obviously that they are going head to head with, you know, the team down south with New York and. You know, that team is just completely set up to make a World Series run. But I don't see any reason why the Red Sox are not going to compete in this division. I have them. I think they finish better than Tampa. I think Tampa's a little bit of like fool's gold after last year. Um, they lost some key guys, which we'll get into. But yeah, man, I think Devers, Bogarts, JD is right up there as like a top five, top 10, you know, core hitting lineup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they're they're going to go over 85 wins as well. Um, and, and obviously, Mookie Betts is a great player, but the, they were very comfortable trading him and who they got back in Verdugo. Um, Verdugo is, well, I think he was like the number one prospect in the Dodgers organization, and that's saying something because the Dodgers organization is stacked with prospects. Yeah. So Verdugo is legit, man. One point I wanted to make is like I I think. Obviously, losing Mookie, you never get better by losing a guy like that. Like, he's he's awesome. Um, but that was an organizational decision, you know? And I think this team, if I had to guess, is going to be a little pissed off about it. And kind of, we always talk about teams sometimes win, like, despite management or despite what coaches do or whatnot. You know, I think they are going to be a little bit pissed off. And I think they're going to cut and if if sale is you know wild man sale and and this team can this team can still rake so i i think this team's gonna be pretty good yeah me too and uh, the next team projected, we got wrap up the 
if that Mazda <laughs> kick can wrap up the back end, you know, they'll be fine. Yeah, then we have to buy Red Sox hats. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so our next team, guys, is the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I love the Rays. The Rays are the East Coast Oakland A's. You know, they're the team that's always making trades, picking people up, making as many moves as possible, keeping the payroll low. Um, I love their pitching staff. I mean, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, I think, is going to have a bounce back here. I think every pitcher had, you know, had more of a down year last year. I think there's a lot of adjustments to make with, you know, players cheating against them and uh, loaded baseballs and God knows what else is helping out uh, hitters these days. So I think there is an adjustment period. I mean, you saw Chris Sale last year have a down year, I think, because of it. So I think Blake Snell has a back bounce back year. Charlie Martin uh, was pretty close to leading the league in strikeouts last year. Tyler Glasnow, when he's healthy, is a total stud, and they snake the Pirates in that trade, by the way. Um, Yanni Torinos, um, he's a stud, and Ryan Yarborough, when he can stay healthy, he's a very solid fifth option, and they got a good bullpen. So just off of that alone, I think the Rays are a really solid team. And then you get into their lineup, which I'll let you go a little deeper into, but I think this is very strong as well. Yeah, man. Um, the biggest things, they lost Tommy Pham, um, who I really like as a player. I think he's really good. Um, they did add Jose Martinez and Renfro, um, who is, you know, my opinion, kind of just a dude. But, you know, he'll hit 25, 30 home runs for you. Um, you're right. They're, they're, they're just scrappy, you know, like they're not the big names, you know, the Yankees, but they're going to come out and compete every day. Um, if Austin Meadows can kind of replicate what he did last year, um, Brandon Lowe, you know, and, and Diaz and, and G-Man can come out and do what they did. Um, this team's the biggest thing I can just say is like they're going to compete. You know, that's what I say about the A's. I don't think they're going to come out and set any records for win totals or blow this division away in anything. But you're right with the pitching staff. You just enough offensively. Um they're going to be really competitive, I think, especially outside the division. It's just, you know, they're going to have to find a way to take down the King Mountain in New York when they go head-to-head. And so can their staff yeah. carry them through those games? I mean, that's going to be the biggest question. Yeah. Um, and the team you keep referring to, we got the New York Yankees. Um, I'm ready to buy you a pinstripe jersey. After all this talk about the AL East right now, <laughs> dude, I um, like I despise <laughs> the Yankees so much just because like from the Bay Area, like I just hate them. But like, there's no denying. Like, I know out here, maybe it's my hatred for the Dodgers. Like, if I think if I had to root for a team, I guess I would go Yankees over Dodgers. Um, I I mean that like kills me to say that. Um, but on paper, man, this team is just unbelievable. Like, their eight and nine hitters are Tashman and Luke Voigt, who is, like, probably on most teams, like, somewhere in that, like, four, five, six range. You know, this, Luke Voigt's going to hit nine on this team. Um, DJ LeMahieu was a huge addition for them last year. And then you just look at the rest of that order. I mean, Judge, Gleber, Stanton, Sanchez. Like, holy God. Like, that they're going to hit so many. I think I have in here um, last year, they hit 306 home runs, which is only one behind the twins for the record of all time for baseball. So they did that with having the most injured team in baseball last year. They did that still winning 103 games. I mean, how many guys did they have go on the, 
the IR and missed time. I mean, it was just about everybody in their lineup at some point um, missed time. So you do that plus you add Garrett Cole, like, oh, my God. Um, so this team, anything short of making the World Series is, is a disappointment for this team, flat out. Yeah, I agree. And if I was a betting man on their projected 99 wins, um, just because I know baseball and, well, I know a little bit. And this Yankees team, especially from last year, can they stay healthy? I would bet the under. And it has nothing to do with the talent they have and how many bombs they're going to hit. But losing Severino, who they thought they were going to have this year, I feel like Tanaka, I mean, he's okay. He's going to have that four ERA. Um, Jay Happ, he's getting up there in age. You got James Paxson, he, um, he just underwent surgery. He'll be back in like two months. You're going to have to fill in some guys in the pitching rotation here, and it's going to, I think, hurt him over the long run of the year. Um, and can their lineup stay healthy? I mean, I think that's the only question because you know if these guys are healthy, they're going to smash. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, any game, like if I don't know how Garrett Cole doesn't win 20, 30 games this year, if he can come out and just be like 80% of what he's been the last couple of years, like the, the amount of run support that this team is going to provide, you know, I mean, they're going to they're going to score on average five, six runs a night, you know, and they're going to vary often we're going to look at box scores and see that this team put up like 10, 12 runs. Like the crazy thing about them is like, you know, the Dodgers are insanely good, obviously, but this team's just sheer power is like unbelievable. I mean, they have legitimately four or five guys that can go for 40 home runs this year. And that's not like outrageous. Like that's like kind of expected for them. So, yeah. you know, we just talk about baseball all the time. Like, you know, we talk about the Rays or whatnot, or, you know, the Red Sox, like they could be in a tight game and then all of a sudden in the sixth inning, just completely blow the doors off and put up an eight spot, you know, like with three home runs, like it's over. So they're yeah. just so lethal uh, from a power standpoint. And they're obviously playing in Yankee Stadium. Man, I, I just don't I don't know how this team doesn't win 100 games. Yeah, I think the only thing going against them, I think the AL is much stronger than the National League as a whole. Um, this season um so i think they're not you know stiffer competition and everything but those teams have to face them too um and they're one of the reasons why the al is so strong but the american league is a very strong strong league um 15 teams i think you know what well, we've said three or four of them are absolute trash and but the rest of them are all competitive they're very competitive teams within good pitching if this team cuts down like half of the injuries that they had last year you know as far as guys on the ir and games missed and things like that by the starting unit this team wins 100 games, you know, no doubt about it. I mean, they have Miguel Andujar is going to be like a rotational, like utility man for them. Like he was once a top prospect in baseball. Like the guy can't even crack the lineup. Um, I forget the guy's name, the red haired kid who plays outfield for them. Um, he's a top prospect as well. But like that dude's a, a backup. You know, he's going to play once or twice yeah. a week. And he, Clint Frazier, and he he's a really mm -hmm. damn good player. Like, a lot of teams would love to have that guy in their starting, level, you know, unit. Um, that guy's going to struggle to play, you know? Like, that's, that's just ridiculous. Like, they're, they're stacked. Um, they're the king of this division. And it's just as, it is what it is. 
Yeah. Um, obviously, this is always one of the strongest divisions, and they get to beat up on the Orioles every single year. So, uh, when the Yankees are facing the Orioles, guys, especially when it's in Camden, uh, stack the uh, Yankees and DFS every chance you get. I mean, they're going to go highly owned, but it doesn't matter. you got to get in on that. <laughs> they're about to put up like 15, 20 runs a game against them. <laughs> yeah, it's like... All right, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Good God. Well, spring training's off, and a couple of weeks we'll know more about you know how the teams are playing and uh, who we think is going to be uh, off to hot starts. But all right, guys, that's it for the Jovin Sports Show. We will catch you later in the week, hopefully on Friday, and uh, we'll talk about more headlines, and then we will get into the National League West preview. Um, yeah, see you later, guys. Have a great night. Peace.